the the opening salvo of us even knowing each other was talking about like english biscuits and oh so... my god that's right those um what were they jammy dodgers. dodgers yeah Jamie dodgers i'm still like i understand now that those are a cookie um mm-hmm. it's just now i have to go back through like every instance of my life when somebody has said jammy dodger and i thought they were making fun of me or like it was a sex euphemism thing Oh, Jammy Dodger. Because there's what no way be? nobody would ever think Jammy Dodger is actually like the name of a biscuit. Like that no. sounds like a euphemism. Euphemism. A euphemism. A euphemism. It does sound like a euphemism. got something good in there surely there no, must be cut all of that that was just the word i laughed you i laughed that's what's important this is gwen frey and chris slight and you are in the dialogue box hello hello should we start talking about stuff yeah i tell you what i saw on twitter gwen what did you see on twitter the UK editor of Vice, Mr. Mike Diver, uh, he tweeted out saying, "Oh, can pe- I'm making lists for Vice. Can someone, uh, can people tweet me saying what their favourite soundtracks for games uh, this year was?" And a lovely lady who works for Team Seventeen, she's a PR lady uh, called Beth, and I saw she replied with "The Flame in the Flood," and I gave that a like because I was like, "Yay, Gwen's game!" Oh, I'm smiling right now. That doesn't come across in the podcast that's amazing that's good i think um yeah, yeah chuck reagan is phenomenal i like we loved working with him he was a legitimately awesome musician and mm. music was obviously a huge part of our game so that's really cool like chuck was just a, a treasure to work with he was just like if for our um after we launched we didn't have a lot of money for a launch party or anything like that but chuck was touring with his album the flame in the flood which is the name, hmm. name the same as our game. And we went and uh, he performed, like, we saw him perform the, so- the uh, songs from our game live and, like, oh, hung out with cool. him at dinner and stuff. No, that's cool. That's cool. I like, uh, yeah, Chuck's cool. Um, who said that about us? Beth, Team uh, a PR Beth. lady from Team 17. Yeah. All right. I'm trying to She's remember. one of my favorite PR people. I interact with a few, quite a few PR people, and there's a couple that are close to my heart, and uh, Beth is one of them. She, uh, Team 17, uh, I love them as a publisher, but also as an interesting story about Team 17 and me. The very first convention I ever worked at, like uh, I when I was an intern for the TV company, I think I've mentioned before, yeah, they had got a booth at a UK convention in London. And so this was the first time I'd ever worked at a convention. And I was just like amazed. Like it was my favorite thing. I wasn't even doing I was just stood there at the booth all day. I was doing, doing nothing else except just standing there. But I loved it. Like it was so much fun. <laughs> and they came over to be interviewed at one point. I think I said, hello, to like uh, <laughs> Beth, a Teen 17 lady. And she was like, oh, okay. you should come up and say hello to the developers. And I was like, okay. And I went up there and they were all just so nice. Like they were they like they were they were demoing the game Beyond Eyes at that point, which was Oh, I've met those people. Oh, oh they are the nicest beautiful. people. Oh yeah, man. and 
I helped them roll posters because they were rolling their promo posters. And I was like, I can help with that. <laughs> and uh, they'll still mention that every now and again. Like, oh, we've got some posters you can roll. And I'm like, yay. Because we had a great time. And it was it was one of, the, one of the nicest moments that I still remember. Like, the, probably, like, was nothing to them. But just, like, it was just some weird dude who was just like, I'll help you. Who you know, it you matters. When you're nice in this industry, it matters. And, do, like... I've actually met a couple of people from Team Seventeen. We um, oh, yeah? a long time ago, we like in the beginning of the flame and the flood, uh, we knew we wanted to go self-published, and we were really adamant about it. Um, but we did talk to a handful of publishers, and there was like mm. two that we honestly considered and thought, you know, maybe. And one of them was Team Seventeen. They were super cool. Part of it was strategic, like they're in the UK. We don't really. Uh, have any reach in the UK. Like we can't mm. get in the press out there. They could. Like there's like logical stuff there, but mostly it was just they were really cool. They're really fun to talk to. They were um you could tell when you're talking to you can tell which publishers are actually making games as well. Yeah. Like you could tell. Like they uh they understood the publishing side of it, but they understood the dev side of it too. Like I I have a I kind of got the feeling when I was talking with them that they uh they sit with the people that are developing worms and different things. And mm. uh, like, eh, it's hard to articulate exactly why I liked them. Just being nice and friendly and like an honest, good person in this industry goes a surprisingly long way. Really does. It's kind of rare, weirdly as well. Like, that's why these people stand out to me so much. Cause like, whenever anyone mentions Team 17 to me, I'm always wonderful things to say. And that's based on interactions of like, for people that actually work with the company, probably about like three or four of them in total. And there's plenty of people that work there. But those three or four people have been so nice to me. Uh, like, And particularly what stands out is they were so nice to me at a point where my career wasn't even a career. Like it was me interning and I was just some guy. And they were just super nice to me. And I was, no one else was. Like, yeah. <laughs> no other publisher. Because plenty of them came down to be interviewed for this TV channel. And I tried to talk to all of them, but none of the others were like, hey, you should come and say hello and like, you, we will be nice to you and we'll be really happy that you're infused about our stuff. And yeah, it was really nice. You know, yeah, I, I think that's probably why they do well with indies too. Like, I think mm. uh, uh, I'm going to Google what their catalog is because I don't really know. I know they, they are Overcooked, they just put out. Yeah. They published, sorry. That's such a good game. Or, because I remember, I think The Escapists was them. I'm not sure yep. if it was from yeah, the beginning. The, uh, I've actually, uh, I did, I uh, went on stage with one of the higher up guys at TwitchCon uh, this year. Just because they were there. I was there. I wasn't working for them. But he was like, oh, hey, it'd be fun because you really liked Overcooked. Do you want to come up and play it with us? And I was like, hell yeah. Because <laughs> again, as I, I think I said to him at the time, I was like, yeah, whatever you guys want. You guys were super cool. So, whatever. <laughs> I like doing things with you. It's fun. Oh, dude! I just googled them. They're uh, I didn't know they were publishing ukulele, and yeah. it's coming to the Switch. That's a weird platform. The Switch. I'm excited about it, dude. How did they get on the Switch? That's actually kind of interesting. I There's don't some know. Kind of big games going on the Switch. Yeah, but Nintendo is usually very. Nintendo releases Nintendo games on Nintendo's platforms. <laughs> like, I they don't... do, but I think. I mean, if you remember at the beginning of the Wii U, they were like, "We're putting Mass Effect Three on here, and we're there's a Call of Duty on here." I think they're trying, like, to trying to. And at the moment, the people people are talking about it in a way because 
I've seen diff- two different sides of the argument because, like, I think Dark Souls Three is coming out on it or something, mm. and people were like, "Oh, weird," and some wow. people were like, "That's cool," and it's like, "Well, D- that kinda. just broke my mind." Because Nintendo's like this happy, colorful, cute Japanese game. Like in my mind, ja- Nintendo is like youthful and not like yeah, I get you. Not murder, death, hate yourself. Like Dark Souls is. Wasn't it the home of like Castlevania back in the day? Like on the snares and the nares? Man. And Metroid was pretty dark. I guess. Yeah. Just yeah. A, but I guess it's not the precedent anymore. I, I Yeah. You're right. You know. But like. You're right. I didn't think back to then. Yeah. Okay. Like before they became Nintendo and that became a type of game. Mm-hmm. And they were just like, they made games and the console. Like that was the thing. Yeah. Hey, maybe, maybe I'm but there. Ukulele maybe, I, feels knows, like a but ukulele. game. Yeah, like that feels it, like a game for that. For I that. never, I never had an N64, so that whole thing's kind of a bit lost on me. Like Banjo Kazooie and all that stuff is like isn't something I've never played, so I'm just like, cool. But it looks nice, and Team Seventeen are awesome. Like they, they just seem like really good people that care about what they do. Like they always seem super infused, and like whatever games they're pushing out, you get the sense that they do def like they've taken them on because they like them. Yeah. And I don't Which mean is to, one thing. I don't want to like say other publishers don't do that because you know the, no. different publishers are different. Uh, they just stood out to me. I like them too. I don't know. There's just some some people you just mesh well with. Some people just feel yeah. more honest. I feel you. But yeah, good music in your game. Well done. <laughs> Thank you. Way to loop that back around. That's uh, all right. That's my thing. I'm the looper. You're looping it. Um. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. It was. Uh, the Flame of the Flood was had awesome music, I, and that was entirely Chuck Reagan. I would plug him every day, all day. He's so good at what he does. Nice. Um, yeah, the music's really good in that game. It, it's in terms of setting the mood and the tone, the music is really important for that. Yeah, there's probably other games. I can't wait to see that list too, because there's a lot of. Uh, let me think. Enter the Gungeon. Mm. Oh, I didn't. Enter the that. Gungeon has an amazing soundtrack by Dose One, and it's ah. Uh, so good like crazy it's crazy to me that i know the guy and i know the guys that made that like so how much insane. of that okay how much of that is that you love it because you know the guy and how much of it is that you love it because it's amazing not legit in terms of dose one's music it i've got his music on my iphone like he's got a couple of albums that are amazing and the end of the gungeon soundtrack's really good like it's one of those ones where it's like because I work with Devolver, so I know a few developers at this stage that do stuff for Devolver, and Devolver has some games like with really good soundtracks. But End of the Gungeon is the one that stands out that I actually have on my phone, and if it comes on, I'm like, sweet. And Dose One as an artist, like his stuff's insane. Like it's, it's right. like he's really good. You're so, a legit yeah. fan. I didn't yeah. need to question you there. It's just like I find a no, no. You're right. I like things more if I know the people that make them. You know, I think that's part of why indie people like indie games sometimes is because they feel like they have a direct connection to the devs. They feel like yeah. they can. It's why we didn't go with Team Seventeen, but self-published, so that we could feel like we were directly connected to the fans, and the fans didn't have to go through a, a filter to get to us. And I think it's um, uh that's a huge part of being indie now. And I, I think that's actually mm. kind of cool in a way. Um, I agree. And, and it's just like, yeah, you just like something more. If you know the people that made it, it you feel like you're involved more f- somehow. Well, it feels more personal. Double finds the big example of that for me. 
like there's a bunch of their games I don't I can't like the adventure games and stuff like that that I don't really get on board with but like I love them <laughs> like because of all the documentaries I guess and stuff and you get to know them as people so it's like oh it's a double fine game cool yeah Tim Schafer's cool. I'll, everyone there, see this entire podcast is just a big love off right now. We're just listing people we, we love working with. I love working with these people. Obviously, I worked uh, with them on Psychonauts too. Yeah, like, what was that video. like? Oh, that I was... saw you for a split second in a video and we got really excited. Oh, yeah. Uh, it was great. It was awesome. They're, uh, I mean, it was like a, they knew what they want. They know what they want to make for Psychonauts too, And they've got a lot of... Uh, uh, great concept art and great work going on and they had these um they had their assets from the uh psychonauts vr game and mm. you um double finds doing an experiment or is it an experiment they're doing something with psychonauts too where they're moving over to use the unreal engine um rather than their in-house engine because the yeah. um unreal engine is sweet uh like i could dive more into it but basically you've mentioned before your love of the unreal engine yeah yeah basically like We've reached a point as an industry where everybody having their own engine is just inefficient, uh, <laughs> yeah. and like that's that's just too much money and time to spend on that. Uh, and I think the Unreal Engine is really sweet, so I'm so completely on board with the idea of them using Unreal for uh, Psychonauts too. Anyway, mm. so they gave us um, they gave me the assets from Psychonauts one for Raz, and they gave me the the model from the Sony or sorry, the the VR title they're making yeah. for um for Psychonauts. And uh they're like, here, uh put this into Unreal, because my uh my buddies, everybody in my studios worked with um Unreal. Like we're all experts in Unreal. They're like, put this in Unreal and kinda like bootstrap production and and uh help us out. Here's what we want. We want Raz to run around. We want him to jump. We want him to walk in a tightrope. We want him to and they're just like, he's an acrobat and he can do this and that. And I'm like sweet and so so we uh we just kind of like set up a demo for them and then we worked with them for a while to iterate on the demo and then we kind of like handed it off to them the whole thing was incredibly smooth uh it, this isn't a typical thing in the industry i guess uh, in well, a way just a... like things not work things working exactly as you <laughs> told this yeah, year we all hate each other in this industry things don't work <gasps> in... no no i mean it's not typical because you usually um no no you mean it, switching switching engines happens but usually you know you spin up your team internally or you hire someone internally but they're just like we want to get this going quickly you just finished a game we like you you like us let's just collaborate real quick and and the whole thing was seamless and it was amazing and it was a fun time and so Psychonauts 2 got super like there that's definitely I mean it was going to happen no matter what there's no way Tim Shaver yeah. was going to not make this game this is he's he's in it you can tell he's excited this is his yeah he's going back to a franchise he loves uh anyway i'll talk about that forever if you let me talk about that forever it's <laughs> like that that was a fun project to be on i we debated just like staying on psychonauts too i can imagine yeah i mean you start a studio to make your own games um mm. not to like make someone else's games so and we had a heart to heart and we were like uh okay we gotta we can't just do this forever we should probably go back to making our own game again we should be indie again but it was f it was a fun uh time working with those guys yeah. everyone at that studio is funny it's i think it's a requirement to get hired there <laughs> you have to be just generically amusing in some way like you gotta be 
you got to be a funny, happy person or something. Or maybe they just like, it's something in the water. Like you just become an eccentric and interesting human being the longer you stay at a double fine. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Maybe. But I, I love I mean, all those I, people. I bought the Blu-ray of the double fine adventure. Yeah. Because uh, I backed that ages ago. I backed it mostly for the documentary. In fact, solely for the documentary. And yeah, I love it. They seem like really cool people. And I was super excited when I'm, you popped up for a split second on one on one of the little mini documentaries about uh, Psychonauts 2. It's like, we talked to people from the Molasses Flood. And I was like, oh, it's Gwen! <laughs> for like a second. So Gwen. Yes. I'm potentially looking at uh, making a game. Oh, is, great. Is this thing. is wonderful. You can teach me about uh, Twitch streaming stuff and I can teach you about game making stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was like, we can teach each other. But it's, I think I just tweeted about it the other day. It's something that's been kind of building for a little while now since I met a guy uh, also called Chris, which makes my life very easy. Yeah, I was about I to say, about a third of the industry is named Chris. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> the the uh, names in so this industry. Basically, if your name is, um, let's see, Chris, Nick, or... Uh, Hmm, what's another common one? Chris or Nick? That probably makes up a good half of the industry. Oh, well, right you know, there. I'm in good company. Yeah. I could join all the other Chris's. So you got two Chris's. But, uh, he made a game called Snow Horse. And it was like a little game where you have a snowboarding horse. <laughs> I met him interviewing him about that game at uh, one of the PAXs, I feel like. And he's such a nice guy. Like, uh, he works at Unity, it turns out. And yeah, he's such a nice dude. And uh, he mentioned like, oh, I want to make a game, uh, like an RPG game. It's like, <laughs> I don't know what or anything. I just want to make one. And I was like, I could write one. I've never done it before. I always wanted to. He was like, yeah, shit. Why not? So Sweet. for quite a while, I've been like coming up with ideas of like a story. He He had a basic like, I would like this to be the theme. And it was uh, summer camp. He was like, summer camp? I want to make a thing about summer camp. He's like, an RPG about summer camp. That's what I want to make. I'm like, okay. So I've been stewing on that for a little while. And I came up with like an idea for like a setting, characters, how that ties into the mechanics and like the sort of RPG I want to do. Like, because he said, he he was like, I'm not too worried because he, he's a programmer. And so he said he wasn't bothered about what sort of RPG it was. He was like, I just want to sort of make one. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't get how that works, but that's another thing for me to learn. But uh, I was like, I was like, you know, I really liked of all the RPG systems, like Paper Mario South Park was probably the system I've enjoyed the most. Like South playing. Park. Yeah. Okay. Fucking so good. And I was like, what I liked about South Park as well is there's a, is, is a good story and conversation so i'm like it's sort of part adventure game part rpg and i was like i loved that like and for the story i'm thinking of i was like that would work really well because i fought up these characters and this whole setting and a, a plot like what they're doing i've kind of panned all that out and it's now got to a stage where we've been having conversations and he's like okay so we should build a prototype so if you write the script for a prototype just like a little bit then we'll see if that sucks or not. Like, if the if the prototype is fucking awful, we'll either give up or go back to the drawing board. But for now, we can try doing that. And I'm like, awesome. yeah. So how long do you want this RPG to be? 
I don't think I want it to be super long. Like, because again, could this beat is... the game in how many hours do you think? In my head, I'm thinking like 10, 10 hour 15. Game? Not that long. I, I don't want to make it like a, like an RPG RPG. Like I don't want it to be 40 hours long. Like I don't want the story to be that big. Like I want this to be kind of, because again, I think he wants to make this to learn mm-hmm. like in the same way I do. Like, I think he's like, I just don't know how to make, I've never made an RPG. I do that. It would be fun. Okay. So, so similar. 10 hours. I mean, you got to keep in mind, like 10 to 15 hours is about the time it takes to beat bioshock infinite that's true that's a long old game isn't it uh so like 10 hours that's is a lot a of stuff actually. but i mean that let's is. let's uh but i i think your your goal is actually probably much less than that you just yeah said the wrong i'd number. agree actually okay so, I, I was just thinking short rpg because some reason in your head you're like rpg is like 40 that's the uh but it's like yeah. i don't want to fucking well, do I mean, that i'm um, no interest in it being super long how long is undertale i've never finished undertale Oh, me neither. But. We're the worst. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> I would, like I I put an hour into it. I'd probably say it's probably going to be a three uh, or four hour game. I bet. See, that sounds about right, doesn't it? Like, because especially even the story I've got in my head, it isn't like a super sprawling epic. It's mainly just interactions with characters and an antagonist, and then yeah. they all go home. Like that's <laughs> that's kind of it. So there's a game I think you should also look at called Epic Battle Fantasy. Uh, what I like about okay. them is it's, uh, this is an RPG. It's comedic. It's similar to South Park in a lot of ways. It might give you some other ideas. Um, the uh, I think it would be an easier game to develop for you because you don't have to worry about uh, the camera moving, the camera following the player as you move around in a persistent world. You move mm. from kind of like screen to screen to screen as part of your uh, world map. Okay. Um, Depending, like, I don't know if you're thinking about an open world, if you're thinking about something where you're always moving from left to right. I think um, with South Park, you could kind of wander around the town and the camera would sort of follow you as you wandered around yeah. in, in that space. Whereas, uh, and you could totally do it like that. Um, I'm just, I would offer this up as another way that uh, might make your map building a little easier or just eliminate some problems initially that you may not realize you're going to have. Yeah, because, um, yeah, I I have no idea what I'm doing going into this. Like, I have an idea for a story, and that's it. Yeah. The, I mean, you're when you're doing your prototype, you're not super concerned about the story initially. There's certain no. elements there, but your, your prototype is mostly going to be like, what does your character look like just initially? Or, honestly, you're starting probably in the middle of the game somewhere. Uh, the first thing you're probably going to worry about is, uh, if you're making a game like South Park... You're worried about that battle screen. You're mm, gonna, 100%. Um, you're gonna say, okay, what does it look like with me and my three buddies? Um, what does it look like when they fight an enemy? And you're just gonna mock up what that screen looks like and what what the rate immediately that asks a bunch of questions. What are the enemies you're fighting in this uh, summer camp situation? Um, mm. How are you fighting? Are you kids in this summer camp? Are you kids that are fighting in a summer camp? That's immediately going to hurt you a little bit as far as ESRB goes. Like, you don't want to, like, kids Oh, they're kitch. not fighting other kids. No. Okay, yeah. So they're fighting Oh, is it, is it, it's, like, it's like kids fighting uh, creatures. <laughs> okay, there you go. So kids fighting monsters. That'll, that's good. Is your target audience... Um, South Park is interesting because it's got, like, a cartoony, fun art style, but it's obviously aiming at an older audience. Super adult, yeah. Yeah. Are you thinking this... the same kind of vibe? No, no. This is a very, uh, it's a kid-friendly kind of thing. 
it's uh, more Harry Potter than uh, like a kid's book. Even though Harry Potter are kids' books, an adult can still read one. You're probably uh, right in these early stages. You what you want to do is you want to distill your game down to like two sentences, um, mm-hmm. and be able to say that very rapidly to other people, and if people sound like they're interested in it. So, uh, if your two sentences, I'm not very good at this stuff, but like if your two sentences were something like. Um, I want to make uh, an action RPG set in a summer camp that draws from influences like South Park and or that that uh, is similar to South Park in gameplay, but more like Harry Potter in tone. Mm-hmm. That might be. And then just say that to people and see if people like that. Uh, That's not a bad idea because I haven't really put out there because I've got like this whole document thing and i've got a notebook i've been writing in with like character like the characters the i've got teachers i've got the names for like the three different sort of battle things i'm going to use like because i've decided that i have to give magic a different name because i'm complicated like that (laughs) and like dude uh, i was but not like a made-up bullshit name like uh like i'm not like I call it Flanarchals, and it's actually just magic, but I've called it that for no apparent reason. Okay. Like, I have someone that can, like, control bugs, and, like, someone that can talk to, like, animals, and someone that can <laughs> do shit with bugs. plants. That's cute. Yeah. Like that. And the teacher, the teacher is super cool, from, and from, he's, like, he's from the 90s, and he spells bugs with two Zs. <laughs> I think oh that's cool. Oh, my God. You reminded <laughs> me of something, and I want to sidebar real quick. Uh, Go. I started playing a game called Gigantic. Um, yes i saw you post about that yeah and there's a lot of things i like this game there's a lot of things i like about it there's a lot of things i hate about it but the one thing that like made me nuts was i loaded up their tutorial and literally you load up the tutorial and as you're like flying in and this voice comes on it's like okay so here's the deal there's this endrosil and endrosil is going to we need to give endrosil more power so that she can beat some other fake name and they just just throws all these fake names fake at names. you yeah and just what the shit is this game about? Like the tutorial Fantasy was so. Fantasy books are the worst for that. Yeah, it's... it's like it's like just say elves. They're elves. <laughs> we all know what elves are. Like, don't call them fae or like fucking something else. I've got. Oh, Final Fantasy Thirteen was the worst for that. Did you play Final Fantasy Thirteen? Uh, was that the MMO one, or was no, that the one where that you were 14. running down a hall and like everything? That was, was thirteen. Oh, it begins with all these words that. that are like the Lassie and the Falsie. Oh, and yeah. it doesn't explain to you what that is. But if you go into a menu, there's a huge wall of text. And it's like, so the Lassie are the good things <laughs> and the Falsie are like the Lassie, but Christ. they're bad, but only to a certain perspective. Maybe they're not bad. I just remember being like, what the yeah. fuck is that? This isn't how you tell a story. We've talked about this before. Any game where you need like a glossary? Yeah. It's no. Just- but yeah, anyway, you were playing uh you were playing the game. And no, was I was like, just What's re- up, so <laughs> Yeah, that was just like the tutorial experience. You reminded me of that. Uh oh no. The uh the fake name thing drives me crazy. Yeah, there's, uh, there's no need for that. I haven't I haven't got fake names. I just decided that I was I was like I could do magic, but then I was like, but I'm more interested in like naturey stuff so why not have them just use naturey stuff rather than be like fireball they could be like i control bugs go bugs <laughs> and bugs get people 
That's good. Like I might, I, these are all bugs. things that I've literally not even told anyone yet that are just exist in one document and a notebook and it's even kind of weird to say them out loud because you're like oh man that teacher who likes bugs and it's like he's from the 90s and spells it with two z's even though the class is called the study of entomancy which would be the the the, uh, <laughs> the, the mancy of entos which bugs made that word up entomancy and uh but he calls it bugs because he's from the 90s and he's cool this is gonna be even that feels weird to describe because it's like shit. This just existed in my head for it's so long. It's gonna be so weird for the longest time. You have no idea. Yeah, it just is. Yeah. Oh man. And then people are gonna um. People will take your story and they will unknowingly add things to it. Um, people will read into things that you did not expect people to read into, and they'll oh, think Jesus. that your story is way more thought out than it actually is, and they'll totally miss the things you want them to notice. Uh, anytime you write a long speech, I guarantee you, your player is going to run right by it. Uh, anything you really deeply care about, your player will completely ignore and they'll be obsessed with like, like some thing that they think they found. Like, oh, I think there's a dead rabbit under the bush. And you're like, no, that's just a pixel. <laughs> Fuck it. You know, whatever. Whatever, oh, guys. <laughs> it's That must be really weird. Like you say, like. Because even just describing the vaguest ideas of things that I've had to you is already, like, weird. There's... Like, even whatever your reaction to it is going to be, I'm instantly like, oh, weird. What? What? Are, how are you going to change this of whatever you say? Oh, that... But, like... This is game development, man. You're going to have that, that period where uh, other people are playing your game and your instincts are going to tell you to do the wrong thing. People are going to... Uh, okay, so you're going to say, I don't know, for instance, you have a statue that is collapsing in Bioshock hmm. Infinite as you're on a scene. <laughs> I love that. Uh, that just got super specific. <laughs> say, for like, example, there's say, a statue in Bioshock Infinite. You have that. <laughs> um, and Go on. And you notice that all the players are running by it. And maybe like as a, as a designer, you're like, you know what? We're going to take away control of the player and we're going to point the camera at that so that people see it and then all of a sudden you realize you've done that everywhere in the game and now you have a game where the player moves forward and you take control of them and you point them at the thing you want them to see and then you have to go back and roll that back because that's absurd and this is like this is the struggle uh man and then there's the other things that are um like i narrative moments are more impactful if you if the player can do something in them, right? Yeah, I agree. So, Half-Life 2 was the first time that I remember being like, oh, I can just move around. Like, this isn't a cutscene. Yeah. I can just I, I can just do what I want right now. And that somehow made it more like I was part of it. Yeah. I, I, I believe that pretty strongly. Like, I think taking the camera away from the player is something you have to be very careful about. And even if, if you do take the camera away from the player, giving them a choice, like uh, a choice in what to say in something like Dragon Age or something like that's huge. Mm. I yeah, think. I want I, I want to do that. I, I want little dialogue things. You know, I'm I'll, super excited to do that. You want story time? I'll tell you a story about Bioshock Infinite. Yes, please. You it, sounded kind of mad when you said that, but yes, please. It's just coming back. You want to a me. story? <laughs> <laughs> uh. No, I just I just remembered something. So there's no. A, go ahead. There's a scene in um. Keep in mind, I'm not a designer, so a lot of this is just totally not me. This is just perspective being at the studio. Um, hmm. but there's a scene I was working on because I was doing the crowd. Uh, I was trying to figure out how to make a huge crowd with um, no AI and, like, no resources at all. Uh, for you're, you're in a scene where uh, 
you're about to stone to death an interracial couple. This is terrible. Oh, I remember that scene. Loud. Yeah. No, I, I remember that. It's supposed it was to be like, a do really... you stone them to death or not? That's what you remember. Uh, oh. So this was a very intense scene. This was supposed to be the moment where you, you're walking through the world and the world's beautiful and it's incredible and it's this utopia. And then you get here and you're like, wait, everything I've seen until now has been white. And oh, oh. this entire affair is about stoning to death an interracial couple and i just won the right to throw the first stone and initially Jesus. we gave people the the choice like you can throw the stone or you could do nothing and not throw the stone mm. it did not res- i don't think people like that like at all like no straight up uh because you have to keep them it's obvious in hindsight uh if your choice is do a thing or not do a thing you kind of want to do the thing to see what the story will be but I get you. Doing a thing in this instance is horrible. Yeah. So people didn't hate it. And at some point, someone added, you could throw the stone, which is actually a baseball. You could throw the baseball, not throw the baseball, or throw the baseball at the announcer. And then at everyone the announcer, loved it. yeah. Yeah. The second that change happened, every like the smallest thing, everybody loved it. Bam, it flipped. Mm. Like opinion changed. We were not terrible racists anymore. Like, that was the thing that changed that that scene. That's crazy. Uh, but no, no, no. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. It was like, throw it where you... Yeah, no, I remember that moment. Because I remember... I, I specifically remember that moment in the game. And just being like, well, I'm not going to fucking throw it at him. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. That's a kind of... Yeah, it, it's hard to explain. Like, there's such a huge difference between doing a thing, not doing a thing, versus choosing between two things. You know what I mean? Mm, yeah. Or that's what it I, would seem that way. Yeah, that's what that's my crazy. my dumb not designer brain took from that moment because I I went from hating that scene to liking that scene. I'm actually lying. I had no opinion about. Oh, because you had the option to rather than like be like, I protest by doing nothing to being like I protest by throwing this at your face. Yeah, like, it felt more active. I guess. Yeah, it felt like you had agency. It felt like you were yeah. making a decision, and it felt like, um, you weren't missing out on story by doing nothing. People dislike. Do we like the act of not hitting any buttons and seeing what will happen is not fun, really. Do you want to know, like, and this is another sidebar on top of a sidebar. Oh, here we go. Because I mentioned Half-Life 2. Yes. Do you want to know one of my favorite bits of moving around freely during talking and it involved animation that, like, blew my mind the first time I saw it? Okay. You're in this cutscene. Have you played Half-Life 2? Oh, it was a long long time ago it was a long time ago but this scene this just sticks with me as being like oh magical but like there's a bit dr kleiner's talking to you and it's like this long thing there are many reasons gordon that i have to tell you and like he's telling you all this shit it's a terrible look kleiner but like he's telling you all this shit (laughs) yeah and i just remember being like god this is boring this guy is so boring turning my turning gordon's head around to look at alex vance who's behind me I look at her, she looks at me, and just rolls her eyes and shrugs a little bit, like, like what a boring guy. <laughs> and I was like, holy shit. I was like, because number fucking one, that is what I was thinking. Number two, I may never have seen that. Like, I, there's a chance I might not have turned around. Oh, I might was... have been like, I might have just been like, I'm listening to this because it's the game. Or I might have done nothing at all. I might have put the pad down. I could have never seen that. Yeah. But... They knew that bit was a long talky bit and that maybe it's a little boring 
and they programmed it in that when I turned around, she was she rolled her eyes and shrugged a little bit, like, "What are you gonna do? What a boring dude." God. And I was they like, "That's so good, fucking this. amazing." I was just like, "Oh God, I'm she's real." Like <laughs> I was just like, "This yeah. is." Oh, I was just so in that game. God, like, in at this that moment, point. you just proved me wrong, actually. Because uh, you've made me think about it. And there's moments in Valve games, uh, like in the latest Portal, the, the Portal mm. 2, where not oh, doing God, something was, so was actually really fun. Like where you just stand there and you listen to, oh, listen to, to the potato bitch being... or listen to the Wheatley like, go on some diet Oh, that bit's so good at the beginning where he's just like, go on, c- come through the door. <laughs> come on. <laughs> and uh, and I'm one of those people that I used to love voiceover, still do, but love voiceover in games from like adventure games and stuff. And one of my favorite things ever was just seeing how long a bit of like dialogue would go on, like how many every time I clicked on a person, how many times they would have something new to say. Because yeah. I loved that. Click and so the this sheep was just until the it ultimate. explodes. Yeah, like well, not even that, but just like hearing a new line of interesting dialogue and like yeah, that being Portal Two is so good. Where you just stood there and he's just. And it feel, and like I've never stood there long enough that it's ran out and started looping. I always end up going like, "All right, let's get on with the game." Yeah, but like it just talks for ages. But yeah, that oh, that bit in Half Life Two was so good. Oh, like man. that that was like legitimately, and it's such a small thing. But out of all the amazing things that happened in that game, that is the one that I remember the most, and was just like, "Shit, that bit was good." I remember, like, that was. I remember that, and for some reason, like I, like when I lay. A- awake at night in my heart i still hear i was different like i still hear oh, that one fuck yeah god paul uh, like paul and paul too like that they're like they are just masterful games like yeah valve, so good valve is competing with themselves at this point like i don't know yeah like releasing a game at this point uh that's why only- they probably like, how do you live up to Half-Life 2 at this no, stage? It's going to be pretty stressful, man. Yeah. Dude. Well, like, Paul. Like, they made Portal 2. Like, Paul was... God, I was so... Like, I feel so lucky that I knew nothing about that the first time I played it. I got it with the orange box for the Xbox 360. And just that moment of there being a tiny little hole in the wall. And you being like, hang on, what the fuck is this? And going into the room and like seeing all shit written on a wall and being like, and I remember being fucking like, I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it, but just being like, there's a plot. And that was at a time, man. Oh my God. Every single game was $60 or whatever. Mm. And this was, it was, it's an indie game in a way. It was one of the earlier indie games. Uh, Yeah, man. Uh, And it felt like I discovered it, even though that isn't. You, you that was the game like the whole game you then finding glados and shit but from that point on that then felt like me finding shit because i just went in that little room and there was all Ratman stuff written on the wall and yeah. it, i just was blown away because i was like fuck i was because i never liked puzzle games anyway as we've discussed before but this one i was good at and i was enjoying it and it made me feel super smart which is what apparently all puzzle games do but they never do with me but this one <laughs> did it made me feel really clever because i figured stuff out and i was doing well at it and I was just like, well, this is just a cool puzzle game. Sweet. It's just like this little thing that's bundled with the orange box. Cool. That's fun. And But yeah, when I found that room, it was like, fuck. That was masterful storytelling. Yeah. Plus like marrying the gameplay with the narrative and oh, fucking amazing. Yeah. Environmental. Yeah. I don't know if you've noticed, but I'm a fan of environmental storytelling. Same. So am I. Based on I'm the games I work on. Yeah. I, dude, the... Um, 
Bioshock Infinite, especially those guys were so good at that. There was a oh fuck yeah. I came in one day. I was um it was like while I was working on that that boardwalk area, and a Mm. level designer had added like this secret room that not many players actually ever found. Where if you're uh, going between the the beach and you go up to the top level of the beach, so Mm. um like on those stairs you can kind of back in there tucked away you can get up into this secret room and there's just a I it looks like somebody was having a tea party with a doll shit uh, and I love that shit and you've just got like they set up this whole room and it's super creepy it's clearly like an adult man was having like there's a cigarette uh, like in an ashtray oh, it looks like a grown yeah, ass man da- just that is dark like it's a just... weird tea party with a cigarette and an ashtray is just like shh what the fuck happened here Man, it was. I saw that and I was like, "Whoa, who did?" And like, somebody, I think it was Knight, like, just came in overnight and was like, oh, hey, 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 "I'm gonna put this little <laughs> yeah, Easter egg cool in." Little weird idea. And it was. It's I awesome. Love that shit. Yeah, Bioshock was a Bioshock One and Infinite. I I mean, people. There seems to be a renaissance on two, but I never got on with two that much. Mm-hmm. But like, like, oh man, Bioshock One and Bioshock Infinite were just like, in terms of storytelling by the environment fucking amazing yeah the, what, that, that's why people talk about when they talk about bioshock they talk about those two worlds like more than they talk about the characters or even necessarily the plot like they will talk about like the columbia building. and rapture like because they were places like they felt like real places which yeah. is very rare yeah. Well, games are great. Games are great, man. This is this <laughs> podcast was so filled with love. Like this is mm. our. Like I, I'm just gonna tweet to everybody that we shouted it out to. I love. Yeah. Who did I we like love your in this stuff. podcast? I loved everybody. Uh yeah, and this made me nostalgic for uh, for Rudy and Bioshock Infinite. The environment team there was just exceptional. I'm lucky to still work with uh, two of those guys. Yeah, you got. I mean, shit. Uh, Flame yeah. in the Flood was really good as well in terms of uh, having a feel and a tone and its environment making me feel a certain emotion. Yeah, well, there's like, no it doubt. It was awesome for that. Like, yeah. I, I mean, I enjoyed it. I mean, we've said, I've said it before. Like, I before we even started doing this podcast, I had played that game because you demoing it, I was like, that looks cool. So I went home when I got <laughs> back to the UK, I bought it and I played it. And it was really cool. Thank and, you. Yeah. Thank you. So you also did a good job of yeah, that. Yeah, night. That's cute, man. Like we're an indie I did, studio. I, I didn't turn around <laughs> and someone shrugged and rolled their eyes at me and fucking made me. I know. Uh, like it, my head explode, but you know it was still good. <laughs> I appreciate that uh, that attempt to compare. Like I would not compare our as much as I loved working in the flame of the flood. I'm not gonna hold it up there with Portal Two and Bioshock Infinite because those are those are te- games made by massive teams. Those are yeah, beautiful worlds. Slightly That's more a, time went into those games. Yeah, that was a that was a, like those are experiences that stay with you, man. Yeah, you know, this was fun. It was really fun talking to you. I think we should. Thanks, Gwen. I think we should leave it on this. This happy, loving, positive note. Yeah. Hmm. So, listener. Thanks for listening, everyone. Yeah. Please hit us up. Let us know what you think of the podcast. Um, otherwise, we'll stop doing them. Wow. It just ends on a fret. <laughs> That's Just not what you think of. We'll stop. There'll Otherwise, be no more. Yes, this is your last, your final warning. No, I'm kidding. We're going to do this forever because I have no life. It's great talking to you, Chris. Great talking to you too, Gwen. This have a great. lovely week, and I'll speak to you next week. 
All right, this has been Gwen Frey and Chris Light, and you have been in the dialogue box. Bye.